are Locked On Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. And I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter. Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. The number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today's episode brought to you by Get Upside. Download the free Get Upside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill-up. We've got Trey Wingo on the show today talking Aaron Rodgers and the future of the Green Bay Packers this offseason. We've got former Packers offensive lineman Aaron Taylor on the show to talk about his uh, experience on a Super Bowl winning team, why he thinks that the Aaron Rodgers-Green Bay Packers partnership has run its course and his initiative to help players with mental health. We also, at the end, have a little nugget with Marlon Humphrey talking about uh, the best receivers in the league, talking about the Ravens matchup with the Packers from earlier this season, even though he did not play in that game. And in fact, he got to just watch that game. He was not even with the team at the time. So let's start with the latest from Radio Row. We're here in L.A. Radio Row with former Packers offensive lineman Aaron Taylor, former Notre Dame offensive lineman San Diego Charger. You did a lot. But you're you're not here just doing football this week. Nope. Here talking about mental health, a very yes. important topic, something that is very important, especially in sports. Yes, it is. It seems like the culture is changing. How far do you think we still need to go? Quite a ways, but we're on our way, and that's what's encouraging. I think I've seen a shift both on the collegiate level and on the professional level where we're starting to understand more about what getting your bell rung means and what the impact of that is. I've unfortunately lost eight dudes to completed suicide from my NFL football circles, and one of those very famously was Junior Seau that posthumously was diagnosed with CTE when they did the autopsy. So it's a real deal. I think we're appreciative of that. I think that we're making strides to change that, both from a rule standpoint and for our sport that's inherently violent. And I think as a result of that, organizations like I'm here partnered with today, same here global, I think the combination of all that is leading us in the right direction, but there's still more to do. And it's it's not just a football problem. This is this is a cultural, societal thing that, that we have to start to, to change. A hundred percent. And that's really the message we're trying to get across. Mental health isn't a binary deal where you're either sick or not. It's this continuum. <laughs> like, let's be honest, man. We're at the single greatest point of instability that we've had in our generation for these last two years post COVID, everybody has been affected. It's not the old stat of one in five, it's five in five. I've held my son as he's cried himself to sleep because he can't go to school with his friends. I've felt depressed and irritable and yelling at my wife over little stuff because I'm disappointed that all of my games got canceled and collapsed last season. I've had friends that have lost businesses, people that have got divorced, people that have lost loved ones. We're all going through it. So what Same Here Global is about is a global alliance of everyday people that includes professional athletes, notable people, myself, Shamiqua Holdsclaw, Amanda Beard, the Olympic swimmer.
swimmer, uh, Hunter Henry, the tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. They've all been through it too. Same here. So they told their story and their hero journey, what it was like, what they did about it, what it's like now to help inspire others to go, yeah, I'm kind of going through stuff too, but also to get some great tools and resources from licensed mental health care professionals. And there's a place on the website, you go right on the front and click a button and within five minutes, learn some tools that are actionable that can improve your mental health for yourself or to pass it along to a loved one. So we're changing the narrative to them or me to us and what are we going to do about it? And I think we're encouraged about where we're at. I don't ultimately know what's going to get us over the hump of mental health, but I do know that myself and Same Here Global are going to be right in the middle of that solution. Well, that, that's awesome, and, and I'm glad that you're doing that work. I think it's really, really important. Um, let, let's go back on your journey a little bit. Okay. Football-wise, you come into Green Bay, 94. Yeah. Into a, a team that is, is kind of on its way at that point. What was it like getting dropped in that mix? You've got Brett Favre. You've got this sort of ascending team trying to trying to figure this out. Well, it was great until I ruptured my right patella tendon on June 6th at uh, 10.17 a.m. Not that I remember anything specific <laughs> about that in one-on-ones against Don Davey. Um, it, it was a great time to be there. And I was so disappointed I got drafted so late by this crappy Green Bay team because I was supposed to go fifth or sixth to Tampa or the Rams, Tampa or the Rams, Tampa or the Rams. And it's a classic case of you don't know what you don't know. And I was telling people about this Super Bowl ring. Had I gone 15th or 17th, I wouldn't have this ring. My football story would be completely different. I was at the right place at the right time on an incredibly talented team that was close-knit, that had these incredible playmakers that all shared one football, had these great dudes on defense, and Ron Wolf and Mike Holmgren and Reggie White and Brett Favre and Leroy Butler and, like, the litany of dudes we had. It was a special mix, and among my favorite football memories that started in 94 and culminated with back-to-back Super Bowls, my last two years. The, the Packers team right now is going through uh, a, a gut-wrenching loss, a, a loss that they did not think that they were going to have to endure. And, and it's really back-to-back-to-back seasons that they're doing that, right? So let's go back to 95. You guys go to the NFC Championship game against Dallas. That doesn't go the way that, that you want it to. How do you both individually and collectively say, all right, let's, let's figure this out and move forward? Well, it was interesting. Like, defensively, we had to get bigger on the edge because they had some big, tall, wide receivers. So did Minnesota. Like, you build your team and your roster to beat the teams that you got to beat. We could never beat Dallas in Dallas, but we got their ass up in December <laughs> in Green Bay and ran through them. They wanted no part of that cold in our running game, and that was the difference, the location of the game. But we earned the right to have the location of that game based on what we had done throughout the regular season. So that was a big differentiator there. It's tough, man. This team has been so close yet so far and that's what's so frustrating as a player you almost want to be like screw it let's go eight and eight or nine and seven and not even get close because we know we don't have what it takes the sad and unfortunate reality is the Packers have been good enough to win those games to play in the Super Bowl to to continue that long history of world championships but they've fallen short for a variety of reasons sometimes it's Aaron Rodgers sometimes it's special teams I really would have liked to seen a maybe a run in a helicopter into the end zone a couple years ago or maybe some different choices but 
everybody's out there doing what they can to give the team a chance to win. But organizationally, it's incredibly disappointing that they've fallen short because they've been better than they've played. Those those teams, you mentioned some of the guys, Reggie White, Brett Favre, Leroy Butler. But, I mean, it's it's more than that. You had guys like George Koontz and, and Bernardo Harris. And Santana Dots. Santana Dots, Gilbert Brown. Brown. We can go on and on. Sean Jones. <laughs> a lot of personalities yeah. in that room. Uh, did it did it take some management? It kind of policed itself. Like, what I loved about Reggie and his leadership style is he was a man of few words. He was kind of playful, but his faith was important to him, but he never hit you over the head with it. It was kind of like a faith of attraction versus promotion. It was like, here it is. <clears throat> he had something different. You see what you want, go ask him how they did it type of deal. So Leroy was loud and, and you know, a, a boisterous guy. Reggie was that way. Sean Jones was extremely quiet. Santana was kind of a loud guy. Gilbert was chill, big chilly. Strong personalities, but they were a tight-ass knit group, man. Like, there was no denying that there was one heartbeat on that side of the ball. Fritz Shermer, the defensive coordinator, was a big piece of that. Reggie was the voice that everybody listened to, but Leroy and all those other veterans that we had on that defense weren't afraid to speak up, and they all spoke in one voice. What was... What was the, the prank that, that Brett Favre pulled on you? Because I know he got you with something. He got everybody with something. Uh, I was the victim of the icy hot tiger bomb, East Asian. He loved like, that. Third degree burn ghost pepper balls. Uh, that was not good. Um, he was a big sulfur uh, stink bomb guy. So he would set it up to where the stink bomb would be just under the heel of a chair. So when the coach sat down, that that would break the glass vial and there would be this putrid sulfur smell that would go through. So Holmgren would come in. Hey, guys, everybody was up to me. Jesus, what is that? Oh, my God. Is one of you guys okay and sick? And we would just all be dying laughing because we knew it was coming. Um, that was who he was, man. He was this simple country kid from Mississippi that loved ball. He never put himself above the team when I was there. Um, he was a <laughs> tough, caveat. tough guy. Uh, and the toughest guy I ever played to get or with on any position at any level he, he just he was the quintessential football player do you have a in the huddle far story either it was funny or galvanizing or just something that you remember that stands out to you from from a game or a practice or anything like that yeah unfortunately it was the seven sack allowed night on monday night up in minnesota where as an offensive line we couldn't do much to stop john randall and company and what i remember most about that we ended up losing that game was that it wasn't a mother scratcher fest it wasn't finger pointing it was come on guys gosh give me some time like hang in there if you give me a little bit more time we'll be able to hit him over the top on a double move and it was always collaborative it was always positive it was always designed to what it is we need to do to be successful and that's what makes a great teammate um famously i wasn't on the team then when his dad died mm -hmm. and he went out and played against the raiders on monday night um that was an incredible moment but football is our sanctuary it's our place of comfortability it's our place of predictability and he never felt more safe any of us I don't think than on the football field and that performance that night and many others don't surprise me at all that's who he was I'll get you out on this I can't let you leave without asking Aaron Rodgers questions you can make a prediction if you want 
but how do you think the team over the last year has handled what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and how do you how do you think any team should handle a situation like that where you're trying to appease this all-time great player while managing the rest of your locker room your off-season plans your contracts all that stuff it's difficult and I think the, the Packers have done a masterful job it's delicate man it is a tiptoe fine line and I think they've walked it masterfully Aaron to his credit has talked about the improvement of the relations between downstairs and upstairs and those sort of things I, I wonder aloud if this team has run its race with A-Rod at the helm ironically this is the exact same situation that he found himself in that Brett Favre found himself in when A-Rod was drafted to replace him now whether or not Jordan Love is the quality of quarterback that A-Rod was I highly doubt that so I think A-Rod feels probably pretty good about that but at the heart of all of this is the feeling of appreciation or not and regardless of what he's done what the organization does in my marriage I want to feel appreciated and when that doesn't happen and for A-Rod for whatever reason that hadn't been the case there's sour grapes I, I, I think at this point if there's a way to get rid of him and to move on and to do some different things that that will happen I think if there's a way that A-Rod can find a way to move on and join maybe the San Francisco 49ers to maybe go to an Indianapolis Colts that maybe is a quarterback away with a strong run game and a good defense of being a playoff team. Everybody wants the storybook ending Tom Brady had, right? So maybe A-Rod's one of those guys. He's one of the handful of elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And if I think there's an opportunity for him to go, whether he does or not, I think he should. It's time. And I think both the Packers and Aaron Rodgers individually would be better off for it. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, we've got more from Radio Row coming up in just a little bit. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one spot for all your gambling action in 2022. They've got everything that you can ask for football, basketball, baseball, if we ever get, get baseball back, hockey, if we ever get hockey back, uh, at college basketball, and a lot of fun stuff for the Super Bowl. Of course, the best time to bet is the Super Bowl. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new and amazing offers for 2022. Bet online, where the game starts. And thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen of the day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. At Amica Insurance... We know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. We are here in L.A. for the Super Bowl. I'm here with longtime host Trey Wingo, who is now the chief uh, trends ambassador. Trends officer and brand ambassador. It's a, it's a mouthful. Shout out to Allie Bronson. Allie, what's happening? Hope you're doing well. Hi, Allie. Uh, we have a, a great matchup this week. We got, we got Rams. We got Bengals. Yeah. We also have great ways to bet. So 2,000 ways to bet on the Super Bowl with Caesars. All kinds of prop bets. Everything from first touchdown, coin toss. Will there be a defensive uh, player score? It's only happened twice in the NFL 
hotel history. So that was one of the first real exotic prop bets uh, in Caesars Palace history. Um, they bet on the fridge to score, and he did in the third quarter. And to Mike Ditka's undying shame, Walter Payton did not score <laughs> in Super Bowl Twenty. And you, because you have moved away from uh, the beast at ESPN, I would yes. assume have a little bit more freedom to, to do some of this stuff. I have freedom. Freedom is a wonderful thing. It's uh, it's wonderful. And the funny thing about this, working with the folks at Caesars, a lot of the people that I work with at Caesars now I used to work with at ESPN. So some that are here and some that are uh, back in Vegas. So for me, it's basically doing the same stuff I always did, just doing it with uh, a, a different place with familiar faces. What was what was Super Bowl week like for you in, in your other life? Um, hectic, <laughs> you know? I mean, uh, whether it was, uh, whether it was uh, being, uh, getting up super early to come do the uh, the radio show from 6 to 10 or 5 to 9 when we're in central time or god forbid 4 to 8 you know uh, that was difficult um, but whether we did we did NFL live every day and you know all the stuff and post game and pre game super bowl stuff so it's all really the same we're just we're just sort of maneuvering around in a different in a different platform there has been a lot of discussion this week with with Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford. The quarterbacks yeah. always get the love, but but it does seem apt in this game because the Rams go quote unquote all in for yeah. for Matthew Stafford, and then we we have Joe Burrow who is he is evolving right in front of our faces. Yeah. It seems like I don't know if you believe in the it, but whatever that is, it seems like he has it. I, I'm glad you said that because I just wrote something for not not to cross promote, but I wrote something for for Facebook about that. But I one of the things. Uh, that was great about doing the draft every year. That man right there, Jim Carr, was my chief researcher for the for the draft. And he was also the chief researcher for Monday Night Football. So I'm happy to be working with him again. And we came across these great nuggets, Jim Wood. And I remembered this, and Jim sent this to me. This was a, an evaluation of Joe Burrow when he was nine years old. <laughs> now I want you to listen to this, seriously. Burrow played on a travel AAU basketball team. And one team, one game, his team was down by eight points with 30 seconds to left. His coach said, Tom Vanderbilt said, we thought it was over, but then Burrow took over, scoring nine consecutive points, including seven straight foul shots. I'd never seen anything like it. It was then that I knew he was different from everyone else. I couldn't believe the poise under pressure he had of a nine-year-old. Vanderven is a professor of sociology at Ohio University. After the game, I told his parents that Joe had the kind of qualities that you'd find in cops and first responders, and also serial offenders. <laughs> he has the kind of qualities that people have where his pulse probably doesn't change no matter the situation he finds himself in, whether he's mowing the lawn or pulling people from a fire. So Joe could either be Dexter or a really good quarterback. <laughs> so thank God he's using his powers for good and not evil. Well, he had to he had to pull the Bengals from the jaws of a fire in in the second half against Kansas City, and he did Correct. it against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Pre- pretty pretty remarkable in in what we've seen in just his second year. Yeah, well, I've always I've I've been very consistent about one thing all year, from week one to now. The only team that can beat the Chiefs would be the Chiefs, and they certainly beat themselves in that game. But that's Burrow's quality. If you give him an opportunity, he'll take it. Like, look at the uh, divisional game against the Titans. He was sacked nine times, and it was a low-scoring game, and Ryan Tannehill had the ball with a minute, something to play to maybe potential game-winning points. Instead, he throws a tip ball that's intercepted, and Burrow says, fine, I'll take it, makes the one throw he needs to make. The sideline route, past the corner, in front of the 
safety that sets up money back for a 52-yard field goal to win the game. So he's never going to be the most stats-driven guy. I mean, even though he threw for 4,600 yards and 34 touchdowns, he's the guy that can make it not work for three and a half quarters. But if you give him that opportunity, he'll take it in the fourth quarter. As we look at some of these these props for the game, uh, anything anything stand out to you in terms of what you might what you might like here? Well. We haven't had a safety since Super Bowl 48. Uh, that was the first snap of the game for Peyton when uh, the center snapped oh, it over right. his head and Sean Marino had to cover it up in the end zone. And this is the longest stretch we've gone without a safety in Super Bowl history. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, maybe betting on the idea that a safety is scored uh, might be a good one. You're, you're probably getting some nice long odds on that too. Uh, there, There's a lot of stuff on this that, that I like. I, like, were you ever the kind of person that's like, I'm going to bet on the coin toss? Oh, yeah. But actually... That is the most voluminous two seconds in sports betting every year. Yes. On the coin toss. Yes. And no surprise, it's heads plus 100, tails plus 100. Yeah. Although, what is it, Jimmy, is it 29-26? Tails has been in in favor of it, and we want to run now. So tails sometimes fails. Tails sometimes (laughs) fails, yes. And and also, I think the last seven guys who called tails have all lost. Isn't that what it is? Yeah. So they won the toss. They won the toss and lost the game. Yeah, yeah. All right, so good for betters, yeah. bad for the players. Correct. Which which betters don't really care about. Also true. <laughs> Maybe you could you could fade the team that you think is going to win the, the coin toss. Correct. A lot of good stuff there. When when you look at the outcome of the game, yeah. gonna, you don't have to make a pick, but yeah. if you want to, you can. What is the what is the thing that you think? Okay, if this happens, Team X wins. Listen, the the best way I can describe it, I've been thinking about this a lot, is that the Rams know the weight of not winning. Yeah. They've been here four years ago, a lot of those players, and lost. Matthew Stafford has waited his entire career to get to this stage. He knows how hard it is. The Bengals know none of that. (laughs) They know none of that. All they know is we win, and they're all young. And sometimes it's better to not know than to know. Yeah. They are playing like on Madden easy mode. And I just, the Rams are a better team. They're a better team. But this Bengals squad doesn't know any better. And sometimes that can be a powerful thing, a powerful force. Because if Sean McVay starts thinking about, well, I was here again last time and we messed it up. And, you know, Aaron Donald thinks about that time he ran, he busted through the gap and Sony Michelle hit him for a 45-yard gain that set up the only touchdown in that game. Um, if, if they start thinking about that, it's problematic for the Rams. The Bengals are not thinking. They do not care. Yeah. We're here at Trey Wingo, Radio Row in Los Angeles. Uh, a, a lot more fun to have. Yeah. Uh, the coaching carousel yeah. uh, is is coming to a close with its spinning. But yeah. it, it's spun in a lot of ways this year that we did not predict. Nine openings. And, Nine. And the Brian Flores lawsuit looms over all of this. Correct. What do you think the chances are we see meaningful change when it comes to NFL hiring practices there? Well, at least in the short term. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's a tough, it's a tough one. Um, like the whole Lovey Smith thing, let's just take that for an example. He was asked at his introductory press conference yesterday, when did you know you were a candidate? He said, honestly, I'm not sure. Uh, and I think the answer to that is they really wanted to hire Josh McCown, but they knew that that would look really bad. Yeah. So they decided to go another route. Uh, I've said this for years. The Texans should be relegated. Like they are a disastrous franchise. I mean, just look at what they've done over the last few years. They traded away DeAndre Hopkins for a, a 
broken running back and a ball of wax. Uh, they let J.J. Watt walk. Uh, they did not play their quarterback for understandable reasons all year, then told their coach, go get him, and then they let, make him last less than a calendar year. Um, the, the, listen, I don't know if Brian Flores is ever going to coach again, and I think he's okay with that. I think Brian Flores is willing to be the Kurt Flood of NFL coaches. That's the analogy. A lot of people use another one. To me, that's the analogy that I've come up with. Kurt Flood, for those that don't know, uh, challenged the reserve clause in baseball when he was traded from the Cardinals to the Phillies, didn't want to go, fought it all the way to the Supreme Court, and lost the case, but eventually it opened up free agents for everybody. And I'm hopeful that if Brian Flores is willing to throw away his career, we will see meaningful change, but it doesn't start from here up. It has to start from the top down. And when people, when we don't have changes in leadership who are looking at the way we do the hiring, I don't know if it's ever going to change. So I don't know if we can build from the bottom. We have to dig down from the top. There are 30 teams not here. Yeah. All, most of them pretty upset that they're not here. Some of them pretty happy to be picking at the top of the draft instead. Yeah. But the big offseason story is going to be what happens with Aaron Rodgers. Yes. And you were just like last year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and but we didn't know that this time last yes. year. Yes. We did not really know or at least publicly know that there was this tension behind the scenes. Aaron Rodgers yeah. says things have gotten better, but we still don't know yeah. what his future is. After having had some some information last year, some some inside yeah. info on what was going on there, what is your your feeling about where they stand right now? My feeling is that I think that Aaron Rodgers has played his last game as a Green Bay Packer. And the weird part about it is, I think the Packers are okay with that. Mm. I really believe that. I mean, Andrew Brandt is a friend of mine who, of course, worked for the Packers organization for many years. And right. he's been saying this forever. The idea was to have Aaron Rodgers play two more years and then move Jordan Love in. And it certainly seems like that's the way things are headed. My only question to the Packers is, really? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? Like, it's worked once right. from Favre to Rodgers. But the idea that the Packers only made it to one Super Bowl, if he's played his last game, and I'm including Aaron Rodgers in this in the statement when I say this, it is an organizational failure of the highest magnitude with a guy who is Mount Rushmore-type level quarterback. Yeah. First ballot, surefire Hall of Famer. You could argue top five all time. And you guys made it to one Super Bowl. That's a failure. I mean, you made it to two with Favre, who was throwing interceptions left and right. <laughs> right. I mean, like, you lost an NFC Championship or a divisional round playoff game against the Rams because he threw six interceptions in one game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's supposed to be so uh, risk-averse and all that kind of stuff. But uh, if, if he has played his last game... Everyone in that organization, including Aaron, because he hasn't played well in a lot of those playoff games, has to say, how did we mess this up? Because you had a generational quarterback since 2008, and you got there once as a wild card. The, the team has said we want him back. Uh, the you know the the president Mark Murphy recently said yeah. we want him back and that the, the organization is aligned on that but there is also a difference between saying we want him back and we want him back at a cost there is always a cost associated with those comments right well it's like it's like when someone says no he's our guy it's easy to say that in May it's right. harder to say that in October right like when all these uh, when when uh, when Trey Lance was drafted and the Niners moved up all those picks to get him Jimmy G's our guy for now. Yeah. Like, like there's a, there's a, there's always a hanging participle on those sentences, right? <laughs> you say that now because it's in your best interest. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean it might change. Um, listen, I think they'd be crazy to try not to make it work, but I don't know if they can make it work. If, if he says, okay, this is, this is not working out. I think everyone would feel better if we yeah. moved on. And I was, I was frankly shocked how fast fans after the loss were just sort of like, 
we're I, at a certain point, what are we supposed to do? Because they feel yeah. like you do that yeah. they should have won more in, in all this time. Correct. So let's say Green Bay says, okay, we'll move you. What what makes sense for, for each side? Is there a move that does make sense for each side? Well, obviously, a lot of people will look at the, the Denver hire right, of Nathaniel Hackett. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you know, and everyone's a competitor. Um, do you really want to go to a division where Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes are there? And Derek Carr's playing pretty damn well. I mean, like, yeah. if, he, if he does go to Denver, that's automatically the best quarterback division by a mile. Yeah. And, uh, One of the best we'd ever have. Yes. Maybe. And I don't think it's going to be that easy for him. Now, granted, Denver has a good defense and they have some weapons. They're going to have to give up some of that if they're getting Aaron Rodgers. So I don't know. Like, suddenly Tampa Bay is interesting. Yeah. Right? That's interesting. Um, New Orleans might be interesting. Um, I, I think suddenly there are a lot more. Don't say that too loud. Ross Jackson might hear you host yeah. Locked on Saints. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, so there's all kinds of possibilities. Boat. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 the Denver thing, I think people are trying to put two and two together, but sometimes that doesn't make four, it makes five or six. So if I were if I were Aaron, I'd maybe think about looking at some of those other scenarios. The other domino there is Devontae Adams. Yeah. So uh, what I've been saying is, you know, there, there is the easy line to draw. Okay, well, Denver could just trade for both of them. I think that's there's just too much. We've never <laughs> even seen a deal like that. Yeah. That's, and, that's mad at Yes, stuff and me. we'll take all the cheese yeah. and, you know, <laughs> yes. and all, and all the uh, all the beer at the, the Miller all Lights the, production all the spotted factory. Cow, and, yeah. We'll take all of that. Yeah, I, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. But a team like Las Vegas, yeah, reunite him with Derek Carr. That that could make some sense there too. Is there Correct. is there a move out there that maybe we're not putting enough attention on? Because to me, it's Russell Wilson. But you know, yeah. we didn't we didn't even know this time last year that Aaron Rodgers could be out there. Think about it. Like what you just said is really interesting, right? We all know how important the quarterback play is in the NFL. If you don't have a dude, you don't have a chance. Like the Titans. Uh, Bengals game. Ryan Tannehill's a guy. Burrow's a dude. Yeah. We could have Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson for a variety of different reasons all change teams this offseason. Might be the wildest quarterback offseason we've ever had. And ever. Kirk, Kirk Cousins is just like, why not me? Exactly. Well, I have a variety of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> They're threefold. Trey, this is great, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Pete, anytime, brother. Shout out Allie Bronson. Let's go. <laughs> All right, before we finish up here, today's episode brought to you by Get Upside. This is an app that if you buy gas, you should be using. And guess what? You probably buy gas because most of us buy gas. We have to get places. We have to do things. And gas prices, they're too high. They've come down a little bit, but they're still too high. So why not get money back just for doing something you were already going to do? That's what Get Upside does. Download the app, enter the promo code TOUCHDOWN, you'll get 25 cents or more on your first fill up and get cash back every time you fill up with GetUpside. Take the money out whenever you need it. Take it out, put it on your bank account. Amazon gift card. You could send it to me if you wanted to do that. I would I would love it if you did that. I don't know why you would do that, but you could. I'd appreciate it. Download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more off on your first fill up. What what can you tell me about the game plan against Devontae Adams? Because I have not seen since Randy Moss a, a receiver a receiver handled the way that that Baltimore and you guys treated Devontae. Um, so I was uh, I actually was so after I got hurt I I took my get away from football a little early. Mm-hmm. So um, when I when I saw what was going on with him, I still don't even know the game plan. But I saw the clips like everybody else for like four weeks or when I was completely not talking to anybody was out I felt like such a fan so I'm like any news I'm getting I'm seeing online or something (laughs) and like I wasn't like 
So I'm like, what the crap? What are we doing? And so it looked like, you know, we, we want to eliminate the best guy. You know, Garden Devante, you know, he's a guy that you just – he's just crazy quick. Um, he has the ability to, you know, get to one place or another just so quickly. And just it's, it's – he's by far one of the best at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think head and shoulders over anybody in the league. And so it's – we just tried to eliminate him. And, you know, it almost worked pretty well. You know, we, I think we we'll end up losing by a point and going for two. Yeah. For two. But, you know, he's a great player. You know, I think we felt that – actually, I can't even speak on what we felt, but I'm sure we felt that, you know, if we were going to win, our, our best chance was to eliminate him. Who is the guy you mentioned watching someone like Jamar Chase and going – he's not even doing anything, and then obviously on the field he's doing a lot. Who is who are some of the guys that you watch? You go, man, this guy. Whether it's the release package, the route stem, whatever it is, you're like, okay, this is this guy's got it. So uh, for me, the, the guys that like you're like crap. You just go crazy on film would be Justin Jefferson. Um, I've guarded him just once. Uh, Devontae Adams, just like you know, Tyreek Hill, um, Mike Evans. You know, all those guys. Like you, you can stick one thing that they're for sure doing that you're just like crap this is going to be a, a tough matchup um just, those are just off the top of my head but you know it's weird you got you got those guys that like this is what they do well this is what they do well and then you got the guys like jamar chase you're like i don't know what he's doing well but he's doing something great like you know what i mean so it, it's just crazy i mean it's it, it was it was crazy i, I so uh it, it's just so many different types of receivers and i think you know the biggest thing that you know everyone does is they, they try to whatever they're really good at that's what they try to be you know good at you know I think it's a certain point you get to NFL you're like I got here because I have an elite ability to do this right so that's what you try to how sharp can I get that craft um, you know I know for me you know thing I'm good at is you know being really physical so how sharp can I be at being really really physical and I think you know honing in on what you're you know really great at and trying to get better at the things you're just good at I think it's kind of the key and uh you know, a, a lot of guys show a week in and week out in the NFL. So it makes, you know, I think the step from a good player in the league to a great player is, is such a small margin of error. And the thing I love about football is got to be earned every year. So, you know, you know, you hear guys say like, you know, I, I'm great, I'm great, but you know, it's it's got to be you know proven every year. It's, I, a, it's a small margin, but it's the hardest jump to make. It's the hardest jump, you know. And every guy wants to do that, make that leap. You know, I remember. When I got a chance to go against Odell, when I they told me I was going to follow him, I was like, I was thinking it was my second or third year. I was like, yo, I feel like this is a chance that I can show that I'm great, you know. So the the great guys are always being chased. That's that's the best thing about the NFL. Any every year, it's a new person that can be the best corner, the best quarterback in the game, the best wide receiver in the game, and that that's that's kind of what you know the good ones are always chasing every day. So- All right, thanks to our guests today, Trey Wingo, Aaron Taylor, Marlon Humphrey. Awesome stuff from Radio Row in Los Angeles. We'll be back even more stuff the rest of the week, and we'll have some stuff on Friday that we'll push to Monday so that we make sure you get everything that we are doing here from Los Angeles and the Super Bowl that... Come on, you, you thought that the Packers would be in it. Unfortunately, not the case. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775. Stay Locked on Packers.